Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Kathy Fleming. She is the executive director of Attain Housing, an organization that has been bringing our community together to partner with homeless families by providing affordable housing and empowering them with practical case management and hope. Kathy, welcome and thanks for coming. Thank you, Gary. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you know, that's kind of what your mission statement I read there uh, is a lot in it. But I want to start at the beginning before we dig down into all that, especially I love hope, you know, giving people hope. <laughs> yes. But let's talk about Attain Housing. You guys have been around in the area, so one form or another, for like 30 years, right? A, a little history maybe or origins of Attain Housing? Yeah, actually, it is our 30th anniversary this year. We're celebrating that in a couple weeks at our luncheon. Um, so 30 years ago in two separate cities, uh, Bellevue and Kirkland, two completely different groups of people who belong to congregations came together and said, we don't want children to be living on the street. We don't want this mom and her children to be suffering. So we need to do something. And so completely separately, they formed, worked with other congregations and started helping place people into apartments or single family homes. And so those two organizations, Housing at the Crossroads in Bellevue, Um, started purchasing property, moving families in. Um, Another organization, KITH, Kirkland Interfaith Transitions and Housing in Kirkland, was doing the same thing. And about six years ago, um, they merged and they became Attain Housing. And at this point, we own 32 apartments that are scattered in Bellevue and Kirkland. And we probably help about 47 families every year by housing them in our properties and working with them every day, every week, to um, work on their goals, to help them learn how to be self-sufficient, and then to help them find a permanent place to live that they can hold on to. That's awesome. Uh, I want to hear more about almost all aspects of that that you talked <laughs> about. Uh, but a nonprofit. So you mentioned congregation started this. You're, you're a nonprofit organization. Yes. We are. We are five hundred one c three. Um, we are still supported by many congregations, but we um, are not associated directly with any one congregation. Um, and we are, you know, uh, 501c3, so we're a public charity. So you're not a faith-based organization to say you you have to come to church before we'll put you in a home? No. Okay. No. Um, and now you mentioned Bellevue and Kirkland is where the genesis of this started. You serve people just on the east side or all over King County or— well, we have a couple programs, but in our transitional housing, um, we serve people that could come from other parts of King County. Uh, we work through King County's Coordinated Entry Program, which helps the most vulnerable families. So that is one thing I want to point out is we we only help people that have children under the age of 18 in the household. So that could be a single mom, a single dad, two parents, grandma and, and child, um, and so those folks can come from all over King County. Um, half of our properties we will pull from all over, and the other half we work with partners in our area on the east side. We'll work with local churches. We work with Bellevue Presbyterian sometimes. We work with um, New Bethlehem, which is a shelter in Kirkland. Um, so we have partners that will refer families to us. Yeah, and that's what was sort of in your mission statement, you partner with the community, and I kind of like that, and also that you, you're you not this giant organization hoping to end all poverty and all homelessness at once. You mentioned 32 apartments, you're buying, you know, you're paying for these one at a time. You're helping families face-to-face one at a time because these are 
real people. I mean, there's numbers. They do a what does King County do? A one night count every year, right? That, oh, that yeah. measures. But and those are statistics and those are numbers. But to to work on this problem, it's one at a time, isn't it? It is, and it's very individual. Um, we have two case managers. They meet every week with the families that they work with. Um, they sit down and they set goals with them. They identify what's holding them back. It could be education. It could be they need a job. It could be that they need daycare in order to get that job. Sometimes their children have disabilities. Um, they need help in being connected with the right services. So there's a whole myriad of things that um, stand in people's way that cause barriers. And our case managers identify, help them set their goals, and then work for them for up to two years on those goals. And uh, and it's really great to see the successes that come through. And then we help people find a permanent place that they can hold on to and maintain. And then we bring another family in and we start over again. Yeah, that's cool. You yeah. work from from zero up to success. I really like that. Um, but this the need we're talking about, it, it can, it's continued since like... I don't know, the economy's been bouncing back since the recession. That's like 10 years now. So the economy's doing well, but the need hasn't quite <laughs> gone away, has it? No. What are, what are some of the reasons that um, it's so hard to get people stable in housing? I guess there's a lot of reasons, aren't there? There are a lot of reasons, and it's so complicated, and that's sometimes hard to put into a soundbite for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so every January, you'll you'll hear about this one-night count that happens in King County. The results don't usually come out till May. Um, this past year, there was over 11,000 people that they were able to point find out on the streets or in shelter in King County. You know the number's higher, but yeah. that's who they could identify. Now, that's a little bit down from the previous year, but it's still it's a horrible number. Um, and what it doesn't reflect, though, is that there are thousands of people that are finding housing. Um, King County's been working really hard to build affordable housing, to get people moved in, to set up services. But the number of people who are falling into homelessness is happening faster than we, the people we can help. And it's an affordability issue in the region. We have a great economy, a lot of jobs, and everything is really, really expensive. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the jobs and the growth are from kind of high-tech, really, I don't know, high-paying jobs. So that means a, a landlord, right, can... He can, supply and demand, I guess, right? He can, exactly. He knows he's got three or four, uh, I don't know, Amazon or uh, Facebook or uh, high-tech people that have money to bid on his property so he can raise his rent, right? I mean, that just drives it people is. who don't have barely enough for a low-priced house out of the market. Is that yeah, part it, of it? Yeah, it, it's really amazing because they, they look at what's considered affordable housing and affordable to somebody who makes less than the median income in the area. So if you make 80% of the median income, you're considered eligible for affordable housing. I know that's a little complicated. A family of four can be making $88,000 a year and still be considered eligible for affordable housing because a two-bedroom apartment in Kirkland is $2,200 a month. So, you know, you think about a family where you have, uh, you know, either one wage earner or minimum wage earners, 
they can't afford that. Or earning, or having two part-time jobs and no benefits, and they have to pay a lot right. more t- for the dentist and the doctor of those two kids or whatever. Yeah. So even in Kirkland, where we're based, um, I saw something that said about 45% of the residents of Kirkland are struggling to make their housing payments. Wow. I mean, they're struggling as in one little thing could send them over the edge and they could lose their housing. So one one or two hardships in a row without a real safety net of support, you know, from friends or some kind of real benefits yeah. can put someone on the street yeah. or looking. Wow. Yeah. And so those people are the ones that, uh, you know, we're not really paying attention to as far as placing them in, in housing. We're waiting till someone becomes homeless, unfortunately. Yeah. Not we, but as a society. The society is, yeah. Yeah. Before we think it's a problem. Yeah. And then finding, okay, you've been living in your car for three months. Now we'll we'll find a place for you. Um, And that's that's frustrating, I know, for for many of us because we can see a way to stop, you know, people from falling into homelessness with with just a few a few things. Sometimes it's eviction reform. You know, uh, that recently was passed. It used to be a landlord could evict somebody three days notice. You didn't pay your rent this past month. You've got three days, you're out. Then I can raise the rent. That's unfortunate. They've, up, they've changed that now to 14 days, which is, which is great. That's helpful. But one of our programs, in addition to transitional housing, is our um, financial assistance for people that are at risk of losing their housing. So this is to prevent that eviction in the first place from someone becoming homeless. Yes. So tell me about that. So how does this program work? It sounds like it's cash. It is. It's <laughs> cash. It's, money. it's cash to the landlord. So so somebody comes to us and they say, we, I, my car broke down last month. I wasn't able to get to work. I got behind on my rent. Now I owe, you know, $800 in my back rent or my landlord's going to kick me out. Is there anything you can do to help me? Um, that person has a job. Normally they're doing fine. They've had, they've had a hardship that is causing them to, to miss a payment. Um, they may not have savings. They may not have family to help them. So where do they go? So there's a lot of organizations, and we are on the forefront of this, uh, helping people stay in their homes. So we will talk to the landlord. We'll say, if you take this $800, will you not evict this person? They agree to, that person can go back on track and never end up in the system, which is what we call this homeless system. Yeah. And so preventing someone from getting there is a, is a huge um, benefit to you know, keeping the system running smoothly and helping people um, you know, never fall into it. Wow. So that's just one way to keep someone stable. I mean, once they do fall into that system, and that's a that's one of those air quote things, right? I mean, yeah. once you're in this, it's hard to climb out because there are so many little, if you ask for assistance from a government agency and stuff, you start filling out forms, you spend half your days of each week uh, going down to some office that you can barely afford to get to, spending all day there filling out forms, and then <laughs> you barely climb out and you get subsistence level help yeah. maybe. Being... You know, it's interesting. We had a, we, we partnered with some other organizations on the east side a few months ago and did an affordable housing week um, event. And we had clients from the different organizations come and talk about their stories. And, you know, very, very similar stories of um, trying, being evicted at one time and not being able to get another place to live going day after day and getting on wait lists and applying and taking 
you know, 20, 20 different applications to just try to get into a place because there's not enough housing that people can afford to live in. And so those that make very low income have even fewer choices. Mm. We are talking this morning with Kathy Fleming. She's the executive director of Attain Housing. Uh, you can learn more online than we're going to be able to talk about today. Attainhousing.org, right? Just spelled out, Attain Housing. Exactly. A-T-T-A-I-N. <laughs> <laughs> and the .org means you're a nonprofit. You also have a Facebook presence, right? Oh, we do. And, we uh, have, we're good social media, Twitter, it, Facebook. <laughs> good. Um, let's talk about the transitional housing. That's another part you guys do. So you actually... Yeah manage or pay for it? Do you own an apartment these days? Or do you own a building that you rent out apartments? Tell me how this works. We own six different buildings. Some are, I mean, some are as small as a duplex. Some are as large as um, a a 12 apartment uh, complex. Um, So we have several in Bellevue and the rest in Kirkland. Um, We do own them. We maintain them. (laughs) We raise money to help uh, pay for Um, all the maintenance of them. When we um, identify a family to move in, and these families are people with children under the age of 18, they may come to us again through our coordinated entry system or through partners that we have uh, locally. We work with local churches. We work with local um, service providers that um, shelter. Uh, New Bethlehem is a shelter in Kirkland that is going to be um, uh, overnight shelter soon. They're building it. We're excited because we're the most logical next step for people that need a little more assistance. So a family moves into one of our properties um, and we get to know them, we sit down with them early on um, and identify what are the barriers that are holding them back from being able to uh, afford their own housing, find their own housing. Um, And oftentimes it's things like education, it's a job, I don't, I don't have a job and I don't know where to get one. Or sometimes it's as simple as I don't have daycare or my child is disabled and I don't know what to do and I need to stay home with them. Most of our clients are fleeing violence. And I say that in two ways. One, uh, many women who are fleeing domestic violence are in our uh, housing. And the other group that we have are uh, uh, immigrants that are coming primarily from East Africa, Rwanda, where they have seen horrible violence. And so they've come to our country and they uh, want support. Uh, they they want to make it and they're, they're very eager to, to make it in this country. And um, we work with them and help them connect them to here's how this works in our country. Here's... Um, you know, showing them different jobs. Here's where you take ESL classes. Um, Just being a stranger in a strange land can put you on the fringes already. Yes, Uh. yes. And so so a lot of these folks have been experiencing trauma in their life and just having a stable place to live for a while and somebody to talk to and someone to help them can really change their lives and can change the lives of their children, which is really... um, where we, we get excited because we see these kids and they they come in and they look at their new apartment, um, which can, you know, it looks gorgeous in their eyes and they are so excited. And we had a, a little girl recently who said that was the happiest day of my life when she moved into her new apartment. And so that those are the kind of days that make us just, you know, so excited about what we do. And what we're really, and so over that two year period, we help these families, we help them with their job, their income, I mean, 
went up 170% last year from the time they came in. Um, Most of them are employed when they leave, and they're able to then maintain a home that they are moved into. Um, that that's a problem that I see is sometimes we move people into and not us, but you know people are moved into permanent housing just to get shelter over their head. They don't know how to how to financially maintain it, how to how to be a good tenant, how to um, you know work with their the different things that they have because they've never been um, shown the way. So attain housing can have someone, you call it a case manager probably, yes. that, that works alongside them and just gives them this tip and life coaching on here's how you be a homeowner or a renter, et cetera. Yes. Oh, yes. We do things like, I'm sorry, but you cannot build a fire in the middle of the living room. That is not allowed. <laughs> um, but but little things, just like, let me show you how to access. One of our case managers went and actually went with one of our clients to a, the school district and sat down because they needed a special education plan for the child. And she didn't speak English very well, and so he represented her in front of the board to get that. Mm. We've had other case managers that have helped in um, in a divorce and child custody situation just to be, you know, kind of that spokesperson for them uh, and speak to their character and, and what they're doing. So it was surprising to me. I came here two years. I had no idea what a case manager did. Um, I'm thinking, okay, they give them lists of referrals and, and resources, and here, go go do. But it's a lot more than that. They become attached to their kind of that, that loving parent that helps, you know, kick the birdie out of the nest <laughs> okay. in some ways. Uh-huh. You know, we, they have to pay us rent, um, whatever they can afford. So 30% of whatever they make um, goes to rent. And sometimes that's as low as $150 a month. But it show it helps build their rental history. It gives them you know, education on how to exist in our society um, and how to be responsible. It gives them that habit of being a renter and a homeowner and how yes. I'm going to raise my family and what stability can mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. And just that's new to a lot of people who've been on the edge and haven't been there for a while. That right? That is. So the, it, as Attain Housing has these transitional places for people, what's the next step? Is there a, <laughs> there's permanent housing. Is there a middle ground? I mean, I mean, how long does it take for someone? I guess you work with them two years, and then then what? What, what do you call a success? I mean, do you stick a lot? You, this person who's a case manager really sounds like it's a personal advocate that they must have to become involved with them and personal. I mean, yeah, they stick with them as they go from transition to a permanent place, right? Well, we'd like in? to Is see a- that. We'd like to see more of that. Um, so. Transitional housing has a unique place in what we call our ecosystem, our housing ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't hear much about it anymore because um, more and more places have moved away from transitional housing into just permanent housing without the supports. Um, financially, it's probably more efficient to do it that way. It's, it costs money to have a, a case manager working side by side with families. But we feel that there are people that would that benefit from having somebody help them for a, for a period of time to adjust, to stabilize, to become self-sufficient. Simply putting somebody into a, a you know a roof over their head is great, but it may not be the only thing they need. There is a large group of people that's all they need. Then there's another group of people that need probably more help than we can give them. People that are experiencing, you know, uh, behavioral health. 
uh, issues, something like substance abuse or mental health, they are going to need someone probably for the rest of their lives to be side by side. But there's that middle group that needs a little bit of help for a while, and then they're fine. And that's who we serve. Mm. And uh, we are talking this morning with Attain Housing. Uh, Executive Director Kathy Fleming is here. Attain Housing online, just spelled out like it sounds, attainhousing.org. I, I want to talk, I don't know, big picture. What is the, like the rest of us? You know, you guys are doing a great job, and there's others like you. What does the public need to know and then I'll say do to change, you know, what's going on. How do we be, get more engaged individually and, I don't know, as groups, we're all part of little groups and families, et cetera. Is there some, some ways we can all be involved? Definitely. So uh, on a bigger scale, I'm excited because I'm actually, we've been talking about the homelessness crisis for years and years. In fact, there's fatigue for yeah, all of us. I think that. we're way past the 10-year plan oh, yes. gone by, right? oh, yes. to end homelessness. Yes. Um, but on a bigger scale, I'm really um, excited to start seeing things moving forward. We're starting, you, you probably heard about Microsoft is contributing $500 million um, to middle income and low income housing. That's a huge, huge benefit. Um, we've gotten recently, they've made a change um, in the House Bill 1406, I think it is, that is going to give us 50, 51 more million dollars to cities and counties to address affordable housing. There's just a whole lot more emphasis on it from corporations, from the county, from the cities, all that. So I'm really excited because it does need money, but it's not just money that it needs. Um, there are things... It's like, uh, uh, let me, I'm sorry oh, to interrupt here, no but it's problem. like you're, you're saying, we've all known it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Somebody else is going to take care of it. Yes. <laughs> is, and now we realize, well, it's us. We all have to take care of it. Well, and that's something I've seen. I, I live on the east side. I've lived on the east side, gosh, since 1992, I think. Um, and there is a perception uh, on the east side that we don't have a problem. Um it's just a more hidden problem. It's a problem. It's not in the great in the numbers um, like what you see in Seattle or South Seattle, but it's there, and it's usually hidden very quietly uh, in, you know, safe car parks. I don't know if you know that there are churches that set up safe parking at night, so someone who's living in their car, families that live in their car, can come and be safe and spend the night. Wow, that's nice and unfortunate at the same time to exactly, hear that. Exactly, exactly. So it's there. It's it's here um, on the east side. Um, but, but what we can do um, as an individual, and I'm seeing more, again, the faith-based community on the east side has been amazing as they pull together and try to um, make a difference in this area, and they're still doing it. They're still forefront leaders. They're selling their property to you know, affordable housing nonprofits. They're, you know, they're starting to do things that to contribute to that. I shouldn't say starting, they've been doing it. Um, but what I also see is that um, cities are starting to realize, wow, we, we need to be probably a little bit more dense. We can't just um, have, you know, these very large homes and large properties and because nobody can afford those. We need to consider, you know, uh, accessory dwelling units like, you know, the mother-in-law apartment. Maybe I can rent that out to a younger person who really can't afford, you know, one of these larger homes. Or maybe I see seniors who are in their homes and they are quickly being able not to afford their homes. But if they rented out a few rooms to some other people who would help them around the house, they could, you know, they could stay in their homes. Um, so there's things like that. But 
As far as individuals, I would just say um, I would advocate for more dollars into the system. You know, it's happening. But if we if we say, okay, good, we're done. Uh, in a couple more years, we'll be right back where we were. So talking to the people that we've elected to really do what we want them, you have to actually call them, write them a letter. Yes. It really works, right? Advocate to them on behalf of affordable housing. Yes, yes. And, and it's got to be in my backyard. That's right. I mean, it's... It can't be build somewhere else. Somewhere else, else please. Find somewhere an answer else, to please. this problem. Yeah. I mean, there is definite benefit, I think, to having mixed-use places where you have lower income mixed in with middle-income folks, and they have access to the same amenities, and instead of pushing them somewhere else, putting yeah. them out somewhere else. And we're going to run out of time pretty soon, Kathy, but how about attain housing specifically? Can people, I don't know, do you have room for volunteers? How about just cash donations? Oh, I mean, my what do you, what kind of uh, role is there for the East Side? Since you are on an East Side group, what, what can people who have some spare time and spare dollars do? Yes. So we're in a position where about half of uh, our income comes from personal contributions, personal and foundation contributions. We have very little that is coming from government sources. It does give us more flexibility um, because we don't take those government sources, but it, it makes it difficult to go from year to year. Right. Um, so we're always looking for additional resources for sure. We do have volunteer opportunities to help work at our properties. We've been working with Expedia and Symmetra and different groups like that who have come out and, and done yard work at our properties. We also have a community supper every Tuesday night at one of our churches in Kirkland where you can serve food, prepare and serve food to anyone that comes in. It's yeah, just for a community, community meal? Community meal. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so learn more about us. Go to our, our Facebook page, uh, our website. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, variety of things going on. We do the Seven Hills of Kirkland bike ride every uh, Memorial Day. It's a great fundraiser for us. Plus, it's really hard. <laughs> I don't know how those bikers do it. <laughs> well, some of those people who ride bikes for fun, they think that's fun to uh, ride up and yes, down those hills. There's some steep hills in Kirkland. <laughs> that's, that's great, Kathy. Uh, have we left anything out? We just got a minute or so left. Uh, a major point or something you like to say again about attain housing? Yeah, I would just think, I would like ask you as um, homeowner property owners to think about, is there a way you could lease out your property to a nonprofit? That's something that we are doing. We are leasing from home from property owners and placing homeless families, and then we maintain it for the, uh, the property for you um, and turn it back to you in five, ten years um, in the same shape we took it over. So it's a really great way for people that have assets that want to be able to make a difference. So contact me on that one. What a great idea. Say that again. Lease out it's your called, property. Yeah, we call it our master lease, uh, new lease on life. Um, and it is a way, uh, instead of building more, we use what's already out there, which is a really, um, I think, unique way of being able to, to help address the situation without continuing to build and build and build. Wonderful. Hey, thank you so much, Kathy. We have been talking today with Kathy Fleming, the Executive Director of Attain Housing. Kathy, like I said, thanks so much for coming in today and telling us about oh, your vision and, and all the better things that Attain Housing can do. And a, gosh, a bigger thanks to everyone at Attain Housing and all the work you guys have put in for 30 years now in helping people uh, find a place to live. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary, for having me on.
If you'd like to hear this interview again, it'll be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.